Father, today we haven't come to have our ears tickled. Lord, we've come to hear from you. And Holy Spirit, we know that you're here. God, and I ask right now, tune our ears to your voice. Lord, let the words that I speak be your words. God, but let us hear, Lord, that moment, that word, that phrase. Lord, whatever it is for each one of us, Lord, let us hear it. Lord, and not just hear it, but let us really understand that that's a word straight from your throne room, God, this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I want to share with you one of the keys, I wouldn't say the key, but one of the keys that Jody and I have seen throughout our lives that has probably kept us in church pretty much every Sunday of our lives. And, and I'm not trying to exaggerate. I actually think this is one of those keys that is that important. And it's a key that we can all either use, ignore, or actually, if we're honest, abuse and, and, and do wrong with it. It's one of those keys that probably has got me to where I am today. And you know, I'm hoping for some of you, like, I, I want to know what it is. Because I'm, I'm not really making up. And it's one of those keys that actually is mentioned so much throughout Scripture that I want us to actually look at a lot of Scripture this morning so we can see what it is. Now, you're expecting some great revelation. Well, to be honest, it's not. It's, it's not some great revelation. It's simply this. It's the power of our friends. Not the TV show, Friends. But I thought that would be something that many of us would click on to, although I heard the other day that most people under 15 years of age have never even heard of the show Friends. That's just showing my age. But anyway, you know, the Friends are really important. They play a huge part in our lives. They influence us a lot. But before we get to their power and their influence, I want to share a personal story with you. If you know me well, you know that I have a terrible memory. I can be hanging out with friends and they'll be talking about something that we did, you know, when we were teenagers. And I'll be like, was I even there? <laughs> I, I just don't. I just don't remember. But I can remember this one time um, where just, my parents had just moved, and their family, of course, we'd just moved to a new town, moved down to Blenheim, going along to a new school. And I can actually remember, I mean, I can hardly remember what happened yesterday, but I can actually remember when I was six, and I can remember this. I can remember having a tough time at school, and I can remember mum going in. I'm not sure whether she talked to the teacher or one of the principals, and basically this was the issue. I had no friends at school, and I was just finding it tough. To be honest, like, this is 30 years ago now, almost 30 years ago, and I'm, it's still, like, sad. I'm really sad about it, but I remember that. And I remember going in, and I remember mum talking. Maybe I was embarrassed the fact that she was bringing it up, but it was true. I was finding school really hard. And I remember that something was done. I can't remember what, but all of a sudden, this guy named Drew, we started being friends. Maybe it was, you know, like a blind date kind of set up type thing. But, you know, it was set up. And I still remember Drew to this day. The only person I can remember from primary school we, we were friends from that day on. We played rugby together. We, we, we stayed friends after I left that s school. But the, the point is I can still remember it. And why can I still remember it? Because friends are important. Because God's made us that way. God made us to want to have friends. God made us to look for friends. You know, we are always, whether you want to admit it or not, we're always looking for friends. When we're at school, when we're at work, when we're at church, even when you walk in here, you're looking for a friendly face. 
The worst example of this is on Facebook. You're always looking for a new friend to add. You're always looking for you know, how many hundreds of friends can I have? We're always looking for friends. You know, when we go to a social gathering, the first thing we walk in the door, we're looking around, who do I know? Do I know anyone? Who can I connect with? Because God has made us that way. God made us like that. Now, I don't want to be ambiguous about this message. The, the truth of this whole message is simply this. Friends impact and influence our lives. So we need to choose the people we spend time with. We need to choose them very wisely because they will either take us further or they'll take us down. And we all need to actually not be, oh, your friends are important. We actually need to know the significance of it. So I've got a few points this morning. So the first one is we have been created with a desire for friendship or companion, companionship. The truth is we need friends. You, you can't try and live life alone. You can't try and be an island by yourself. God made us that way. In Genesis 2, he said it's not good for man to be alone. Now, straight away, we, we and go, oh, well, God made a woman, so it means we need to get married. But the context is it's not good for us to just be alone. The fact that we need other humans around us. We need to have friends. And if we think we can do it alone, we're misleading. It, it doesn't work like that. Now, yes, we need our vertical relationship with God, and that should always be first and foremost, and we'll talk about that later. But we need the horizontal. We need the friends alongside us every day there who can help us. And there are so many scriptures about it. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 and 10. So it's interesting with these verses, we turn and use them for marriage, but it's not. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend, not his husband or wife, could be, but his friend can help him up. But pity the person who falls and has no one to help him or her up. God created us for relationship, where we can see each other face to face, where we can actually hug, where we can cry together. Sorry, guys, that's actually okay to cry, even if our sports team lost, but that's all right. You know, for some of us, we actually need to realize it, it doesn't matter how many friends we have on Facebook. It doesn't matter how many acquaintances we have. How many friends? Because God made us that way. You know, when, and this is, I'm not taking credit for this. Jody brought it up the other day to me. If you look throughout Scripture, the only times that Jesus was ever alone, the only times was when he got taken to the wilderness or when he chose to withdraw himself. He had to actually take himself away from people. So the whole time he was with his family, he was with his friends, he was with the disciples, he was with the thousands of other people around him. Not isolated, like many of us, like, oh, let me just be alone. Let me just have my time. I, I don't need people. I don't want people. But the truth is we need people. We need people around us. I mean, we don't just need a friend. We need friends. Just like the you can't quite see it in the background there, but the friends, you know, we need that group of friends around us who are there with us all the time, who are supporting us. So first of all, we're sitting in church here, and I want to give you a couple of really simple thoughts about church, because, you know, there's probably about 800 people here this morning, but the truth is we, we, we're like, even I, I'd like more friends. I like people who I can turn to when I need it, because the truth is we do need that. So how do we find friends in church? Well, I've got a, first a wise saying that I personally wrote. Listen to this. He who is last to arrive and first to leave will be known by no one. 
Let me say that again. He who is last to arrive and first to leave will be known by no one. Now, maybe that's your goal, to see if you can put on your camouflage gear and walk into church and no one sees you, and then as soon as you can, the earliest possible moment, run out of church and get in your car so no one even knows you turned up to church. Well, you can do that, but you're missing out on the joy because you know what church is about? Church is about people. It's about all of us. It's about family. So that's, that's point number one. Don't do that. Point number two around this, go into the cafe. You know, it is a good cafe, but ask somebody, hey, let's have coffee together. If you're single, could be step number one. They won't think anything of it today. You know, just ask them. Hey, let's have coffee. I'll shout. Here's another thought. It's very good. I talked to somebody this morning who's actually doing this. Don't always sit in the same seat in the same section. You know why? Because you always see the same people. It's true. We're all laughing, but it's true, isn't it? Be intentional and get to a life group. Looking across the room to everyone here, the truth is that you will form amazing friendships. You'll get to know people. And it is very hard to do that in this type of meeting. But in a home, in a small group somewhere, you'll get to know people. You'll develop closer bonds. You'll develop friendships. Another part to that, get involved and serve somewhere. When you're serving, people get to know you as well as you get to know other people. And so I, I just want to say, if you, if you haven't found a place just to be involved, you know, the, the best place to serve, and I'm, I'm not biased, but I'm just being honest, if you serve on the ushering team, you don't, you're just coming along to church and you're just serving, you get to know other people and there's a big team and then other people get to see you and then they go, oh, hi, I haven't met you before. Really want to encourage you, have a think about that. Not to serve. It's good to serve, but so you get to know other people, get to be involved. I'd like to point out there's a couple of people. It was Alistair on the base. Fantastic to see him on the base. Now everyone knows who he is. They see him up there and they bump in. Oh, hi, I haven't met you before. You know, people get to see it. Uh, Simon and Sarah, a couple of, they've just started the ushering team. They haven't been coming along to church that long. They're on the door there. I'm like, fantastic. That's what it's all about. Now, they're probably not doing it to get to know everyone. They're just doing it to serve. But that's what kind of happens. So I want to digress a little bit. Proverbs 18, verse 22. You actually want to have a look at this, especially if you're single. Proverbs 18, verse 22. It's actually in the Bible. It's not just on the screen. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Okay? Now, it's in the Bible. I want you to have a look at this. Okay? Now, that word find is not this. Get your binoculars out and hunt. That word find isn't search. That word find isn't, I'm worshiping God and I'm looking around the church for... That, that word find isn't that. Let me, and this is actually important. Let me establish it. And that money's all important to you guys. And luckily I had a decent note, not a $5 note. This is what that word find means, okay? You're all looking at the money now. So this is what find is. You're going along, you're serving God, you're busy. You're doing things. 
you're stepping along, and then all of a sudden, oh, what's that? Oh, I just found money. I wasn't searching for it. I wasn't hunting for it. I wasn't looking for it. I was busy doing what God wanted me to do, being a full-time minister for Him, and then guess what? I found something. Tim and Helen. Now, Helen has been searching all her life, every day. You guys are laughing, but it's true. Where Tim, he was just serving God. Now, he's not here this morning to defend himself. He's probably out in impact. He was serving God in impact, and then all of a sudden, oh, Pastor Helen. That's finding. And why am I saying this? Because if you've already got a marriage partner, you're going to have other young people around you who need to understand this concept. And that, I'm not making this up. That's actually true. It's he who finds who God brings along. Because let me tell you, the person you're going to spend the most of time with is the person you marry. And they are going to have the biggest impact on your life, good or bad. So allow God to lead you. It's just there, just by the by. Just thought that, you know, some people might want to know that this morning. So let God lead you. Let Him bring the person along. If you don't know Jody's and my story, Jody and I actually were in the same school here together. We're in the same youth group for a long time. Must have been I would have known Jody for over ten years, no, uh, eight years before we started going out. But I wasn't searching. I was busy. Let's just stop the story there, but let's just say God brings it along. Okay, so point number two. Good friends can take you further than you could ever go. You know, one of the most powerful stories of friends in the Bible is David and Jonathan. You should turn there and have a look. It's found in 1 Samuel 18. It's it's a very interesting story, because here's the background to it. So Saul, this is Jonathan's father, was appointed the first king of Israel. Jonathan was his son, so guess what that means? He's prince. He's going to become the king. And then all of a sudden, Saul does something bad, and so God says, you're not going to be king anymore. I'm going to anoint this young guy, David. But they meet up. Here's the prince who's in line to be the next king, and here's the anointed king. And you think they're going to fight and be ultimate enemies? Well, let me tell you, that is what... If we're all honest, that's what we'd be. If you found out somebody was coming along going to take your job, you're not going to be the nice guy to them. But let's, let's read it. 1 Samuel 18, 1 to 4. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit. Here's the important. Was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him with his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor and even with his sword and bow and his belt. You know, what an amazing picture that is of friendship. But I think we need to grab that point. They were knit together. You know, we can so quickly pass that by. 
knit tells me that God was involved, that God brought them together. Now, I don't know, but right throughout the book of 1 Samuel, you see that their paths keep crossing. And Saul actually protected David from, no, Jonathan actually protected David from Saul and spared his life. You know, if David got killed, he would have become king. Think about that. But God knit them together. The question is, where would have David got to if he didn't have Jonathan? It's a very interesting thought. I don't know the answer to that, but we can speculate. I know for both Jody and I, we have had great friends at different points right through our life and still part of our lives who have helped us and encouraged us and got to where we are today. If you don't have those friends that are spurring you on right now, you want to say, God, give me somebody. God, give me a group of people who can help me. And not just if you're in youth, not just if you're a young adult. You still need it when you're like my age, like old. We do all need friends. We need God to bring them along. Proverbs 13 verse 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. We are influenced by the people we hang out with. C.S. Lewis wrote this, is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by a good fire? It's a, it's a good thought. See, here's the question. When you have great friends, if you have great friends, they're going to inspire you on. When you're feeling down, they're going to encourage you. When you have good Christian friends in youth, you don't want to not be in church to hang out with them. So they actually help you get to church. They help you get along to youth. And that's what we need. We, we want to have friends here on a Sunday that even when we're feeling stink or whatever's happening in our lives, you just want to get to church because that's where your friends are. And that's what happens when you have good godly friends. They inspire you. They encourage you. They keep, they keep pushing you on. Now, I came across this very interesting point. If you go to the U.S. Army Ranger School to become a, a Navy SEAL or a Ranger, the first assignment they give you isn't to run a 10-mile race in full battle gear isn't to go and stand in the sea for like 10 hours and see how tough you are. Do you know what the first assignment they give you to do? I'm shocked by this. The first assignment, when you're all lined up there and you've got this very grumpy sergeant major standing in front of you, you know what he yells at you? Find yourself a ranger buddy. That is the first thing, very first thing they say. And why? Because you'll stick together. Because they'll always be there. And they know that you're going to need that person because the things that you're going to go through, you're going to need that encouragement, you're going to need that support. Same in Christian life. Same in Christian life. You know, I thank God for the buddies. You know, that's what the army say. Go and find yourself a buddy. I thank God for the buddies that he's brought along my way, for the people who have been there. You know, a real powerful example is I was at the Christian school here and then I left to go to Rutherford for the last two years of school. And at that same time, Daniel Lamborn, who was uh, a son of one of the pastors here at that same time, he came with me. He was actually very smart, which is really good for me because somehow I was in the same class with him and all my classes, apart from one, 
He did chemistry and I did PE. That tells you something. But anyway, the point is, we went there together, we stayed together, we studied for months together just before we went to university. I can tell you, I passed physics because of Daniel. I passed, what's that stupid math subject? Calculus? I passed it because of Daniel. I stayed on the straight and narrow at high school because of Daniel. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that the two of us, not just left school at the same time, but got in the same class. Not just the same form class, the same class throughout all sixth form together. It was such a God thing. And that's what we need to be looking for. God, who is it? God, who is it that you've got for me right now that's going to take me on? Not just my life partner, but my friends around me. Now, I just want to digress and say I've told you some positive stories. But I've also had some Christian friends. And when I've hung out with them, I've gone to the movies. I've done things. And, and you've got to be careful. You know, where's those friends leading you? They're taking you down. And, you know, you can be hanging out with some people. They could be good Christians, but they may just have a different slant on a few things. And where are they taking you? Because they are taking us, influencing us somewhere. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. Because again, here's another verse, and we're going marriage. But it's not. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? Yes, this applies to marriage, but it applies to everything, because a yoke is actually talking about two oxen working together, being tied together. Don't be unequally yoked. Now, I'm up here, so I'm not looking at anyone. Don't marry an unchristian. Don't marry somebody who's going to take you away from God because you spend your life with that person and it's just dumb. Sorry. I'm not looking at anyone. I'm not trying to influence anyone. But just, just if you're thinking about it, don't. Don't. I, I've seen it in my own family. Don't. I really mean that. So this brings me to point... Well, actually, I just want to stop and say, Jody and I, Emma is one and, just over one and a half. Zach's about to turn four. Most nights, we're not just praying for good friends. We're praying right now for the person they marry. Why? Because we know how powerful this is. And don't miss it, church. Don't miss it. So number three, and really I just want to look at scriptures for this one. Hanging out with the wrong people will take us away from God. But let me go a little bit further. And if you let them, they will take you to hell. You know why? Because if that's where they're heading, and that's what will happen. I, and I've seen friends right throughout youth. They start hanging out with one person and then you stop seeing them and then all of a sudden they're doing what that person does. And, and they're taking them exactly where they go. So Proverbs 22, 24 and 25. Make no friendship. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. This is why. Don't change that word anger to anything. Least you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. The word I keep getting in my mind is don't spend too much time with those work friends who are miles away from where you want to be. 
Now, it's not saying don't talk to them. It's not saying don't share God with them. But it's saying don't follow them to the pub after work. You know, don't go and spend hours in the weekend with them if you know what they're doing is not what you should be doing. I have only, unfortunately, because I've lived quite a sheltered life, I have only one real example of this. There was a time when I was working at Pack and Save and friends had gone off and done other things and, and I was just a bit, I was just a bit like, okay, well, I'm looking for a new bunch of friends. And so one night, Friday night after work, we were working late and then went and hung out with these guys and it was okay what they, what they did and I thought, okay, next weekend, I'll, I'll hang out with them all night. That one night, I just can't believe the stuff I got involved in. Now, it's, none of it will shock you, but I just can't believe that that's the only night I can look back at and go, on, how did I get myself in that situation? Simply, simply because I was hanging with the wrong group of friends. Now, yes, they were friends at work, and at, at work it was fine, but when you go outside of work and you start doing what they're doing or going where they're going, it gets very interesting. Very quickly, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 brings us out very clearly. Do not be deceived, church. Bad company ruins good morals. Now, I've just skipped a verse, but let me go back to it. Psalm 1 verse 1, and this really spoke to me when I read it. Look at these words. Blessed is the man who who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. Walking. Walking's not two steps. Walking is a long walk, is a long time. It's that time, it's that amount of stuff that you're doing with people. It's not just the conversation you have in the lunchroom. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about going on a massive hike where you're going to be sharing lots of stories and being influenced. And yes, you can influence them, but what's happening to you? Now, I'm not talking about, in church, you've got to understand, I'm not talking about segregating yourself. I'm talking about being wise with how and who you spend your time with because they will influence you. So let me really sum this up and then we're getting to another point that I want to make. Simply church, who you spend your time with will influence you. Now hopefully you can influence them more through the short periods of time, but where, if you go with them and do stuff, they will have an effect on your life. And the question is, are they taking you forward or back? Are they taking you up and down? We've got a group of young people at the end of MP every Wednesday night. They go into the prayer room for a number of hours together. That's about inspiring you forward, you know? Now, those group of friends after MP could be going and doing something completely different and inspiring each other backwards. But they're not, they're inspiring each other forwards. That's the power of it. So my point number four, and I want to dwell on this a little bit, because we're talking about friends, who we spend our time with. So I want to say this, let Jesus be your best friend. And I think this is for everyone here today, but if we've been in the Christian life a while, this can challenge us. 
Because would you consider Jesus to be your best friend? Would that thought even cross your mind? Would that come into your mind? What? God can be my friend? Well, let's look at a couple of verses. Luke 12, verse 4, and John 15. Both on the screen here. This is what Jesus said. And I say to you, my friends, we can be his friends. Greater love have no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And then he goes on, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. And we sung it this morning. I didn't tell Dan to choose that song. Friend of God. You know, God can be our best friend. Will we let him? You know, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, they're all one. You've got to understand that. Is the most loyal friend you're ever going to have. He's the friend. The Holy Spirit is always there. Every moment. you just got to turn. It's amazing. You see in Matthew 26, verse 50. It's, I don't think it's on the screen. Matthew 26, verse 50. Judas is about to betray Jesus. And listen to the words that he says. Jesus is looking directly at Judas, and this is what he says, friend, do what you came for. Here's the most loyal friend we can ever have, and even when we are doing the worst, he still calls us friend. Even when we're as far away from him and, and doing the worst we could do, i.e. putting him on the cross, he's still going to call us friend. Jesus is the ultimate friend, the best friend we can have. And making Jesus our friend starts with asking him into our lives. Jody and I had the most amazing privilege just over a week ago saying Zach's prayers. And Zach asked, I want Jesus into my life. Why am I telling you that? Because now he's like, Jesus is my friend. Jesus is in my heart. He talks to him like he's his friend. You know why? God calls us to have childlike faith, childlike friendship. So not only should he be in our heart, he should be our best friend. I hope it's inspiring you. You know, there's a book that was put out. I've never read it, I'm being honest. But the title speaks to me. Good morning, Holy Spirit. That's the type of friendship you can have. I'm not saying read the book. I'm just saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good night, God. How's it going, God? What's happening? You want to go and have coffee? He won't drink, but you know, you can have a good coffee. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's our decision. It's our choice. Revelation 2 verse 4 says, Nevertheless, I have this against you that you've lost your first love. You know, the moment we get saved, we're like, Jesus, you're amazing. If we could have that and even develop that and grow that. Because the truth is, the longer you spend married, the more you get to know that person. The longer you spend a Christian, the more we should know God. The more we should be having that attitude of good morning, Holy Spirit. I hope that there's something that's speaking to you through this message. Really, I'm not telling you to go and remove all your friends, but we need to be wise. 
We need to be very smart. We need to know that who we spend our time with will affect us. Not might. The Bible brings it out very clearly. Those verses make it really clear. God has made us for friendship. We need to be smart with who we choose. So choose wisely. And point two really is let God be your best friend. You know, how, how great a change would it be at the end of this year that you can turn around and go, man, I have this, these amazing friends, but Jesus, he is my best friend. You know, as musicians come, I want to share this story. Zach, right from his age, he's always asking the question, can I be your friend? Are you my friend? It's with us. In our heart, we always want friends. We're always looking for them. But that desire for friendship, we cannot allow to overcome our desire for people who are going to inspire us and spur us on. My challenge to you today is don't spend time with people who are taking you back. Be a friend who's going to inspire other people on and make Jesus your best friend. Amen.